Hello and welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. I am, as always, Mike Dominic. Today is the 17th of August in the year of our Lord Cthulhu 2020. Um, that may be pronounced Cthulhu. I really don't know. So eagle-eyed listeners will know that this episode is roughly a week late. Well, the reason for that is I totally botched putting the notes together. Turns out doing a mail-in episode is a little harder than uh, my normal interview format. I spilled the beans a bit. This is a long-promised mailbag number two. Uh, I did get a lot of feedback, and many of you thought that uh, email me feedback meant Twitter, which I'm totally cool with. Um, many of the questions were kind of the same, right? Where they were like, you know, different variants. So what I have done is sort of uh, compressed them into high-level questions. The other thing you should know is I'm doing this all in one take, because I'm running late and I wanted to get this out for you. I do have a normal episode, an interview episode that is being recorded tomorrow. That should be out by the end of the week. Um, Very cool Tampa Tech people coming on. So if you prefer that style, you will enjoy that as well. Okay, so let's dive right into it. I have my handy-dandy graph paper where I wrote down notes. Okay, so Harris writes in and asks me what I think of the haystack. Um, I think a great question that I'm going to bundle with this is one with the hell is hay. Hey, if you don't do not know, and I don't know, haven't been following tech news somehow, is an email app I, or service, I guess would be more accurate, um, brought to us by the folks at Basecamp. Basecamp employs, and it was I'm sorry, is co-founded by DHH David Hanemeyer Hansen, who is the creator of Ruby on Rails. Uh, if you are in the development shop project management world, you have probably heard of Basecamp. Uh, so Hey tries to be like better email. I'm not going to go too deep into it. It's, you know, it. I, I do, I'm, I am a customer of it, it's fine. Um, but Harris has specifically what I think of the tech stack, yeah. So there's, there's kind of multiple things, right? So the front end is all um, kind of electron-y, right? It's like wrapped in electron. But one thing I really find attractive about it is or interesting maybe i shouldn't say attractive interesting is that it appears to be using uh turbo links and rails shocker the guy who created ruby on rails likes to use rails right and so do i so i'm super happy about that but it's basically uh creating html on the server and rendering it which i think is super interesting kind of a monolithic design that is a app application architecture that i very commonly use to this day um in fact our new rabbit reporting product that comes out next month if god will give me a break on these damn bugs uh also has that architecture so it's um i don't want to get too much into a debate about that especially since there's no one here to kind of defend the other position but yeah i think it's a decent architecture i think you know the app, I use it on uh, multiple devices, uh, my Linux machine, uh, my iPhone, it's, it runs fine. So yeah, I mean, it's the wrong I use. I completely think it's good. Harris, I, I think it's great. I'm kind of excited about where Turbo Links is going to go in the future. I, It's one of the more interesting technologies that unless you are in certain communities, you don't hear about. And maybe I should correct that myself and have somebody, you know, who's like a Turbo Links expert on. But anyway, enough of my failure. So what do I think of Hey as a service? Well, I guess I kind of covered it, right? It's a good, um, and that's, I'm sorry, this one's from Brian. It is a good uh, email service. Has it replaced my email? No, but my email is like my mad bot email, right? So, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know, I live in my, my uh, we use G Suite, so I kind of live in there. Uh, could it? 
yeah, maybe, right? I think they are coming out with um, custom domains eventually. So I would certainly consider moving over. Now there's issues of like years and years of legacy on my Matt Bonner domain that I don't know what would happen, but we'll deal with that when it comes along. So, okay, this next category of question, I actually have right here my handy-dandy Amazon Basics graph paper as one, but I'm going to split it into two, and I, th I think you'll understand why. So a bunch of you, and I am sorry I did not take down all the names, but this was uh, this question was so common that it would have been kind of a farce of me sitting here for five minutes reading out a bunch of names or Twitter handles. What do I think of Visual Studio Code um, versus PyCharm? So here's, here's what I think about it. I like it a lot. Um, I have been a longtime JetBrains user. Um, I do primarily work in either Python or Ruby these days. Uh, so PyCharm is an environment I am super duper familiar with. But I'm going to put a big old asterisk on this. I am using VS Code for Python using PyLance, which is, if you're not familiar with like following beta extensions from Microsoft for VS Code, it's kind of like a super duper someone's going to punch me in the face for the way I'm phrasing this, but like a super duper, you know, Python support, language support on steroids. Um, almost like super IntelliSense almost. And it's great. It is in, you know, it is in preview mode, right? It's not like a production ready thing. So there's a few hickey things here and there, but I like it a lot. Um, I like some of the customizability of VS Code. I like that it's a little lighter. Now I will say I am falling into the trap of adding so many extensions that I'm basically recreating PyCharm VS Code. So that, that's maybe not ideal. But yeah, for now, I do like it. Now, the reason there's just two questions is someone also asked me the same thing about Ruby. So this is where you all get to scratch your heads a little bit. I really, really wanted to just use VS Code for both, um, mostly for reasons of I am an incredible fat fingerer when I try to type like uh, keyboard accelerators or you know, keyboard shortcuts. And yeah, I just can't hold two in my head at the same time. But I definitely, and you know, no offense to the Ruby uh, support developers over at VS Code, um, and I know many of them are community maintained, the level of support for Ruby, and in particular Rails, versus the level of support I'm seeing for Python and VS Code is, is just uh, qu quite different. There's a bit of a chasm there. It is by no means bad. It is certainly a functional environment for Ruby and Rails development. But I have just stuck with, I'm sorry, not PyCharm, RubyMine for my Rails work, particularly because, you know, where VS Code's Python support does include some powerful refactorings and some more advanced IntelliSense, the, the Rails support doesn't. I'm sorry, yeah, the... Um, yeah, you know what I mean. V VS Code has better Python support than Ruby is what I'm getting at. Um, having said that, uh, you know, the elf the green elephant in the room here is all the JetBrains tools are commercial, right? I know there's a community edition of PyCharm, and that's nice, but obviously, you know, maybe you don't want to spend money, maybe you're just getting started. There is absolutely no reason you shouldn't use VS Code. I have actually started recommending it. Like, I have an intern, and I just make him work in VS Code because it's, you know, one... There's a big, and I think this is like a big just disclaimer on everything I say about the JetBrains tools. I have been using them for years, literally almost a decade. Um, there were there was a few dark years where I worked in NetBeans because I had to. And, uh, you know, there was iOS time when I was in Xcode. Um, ironically, the only JetBrains IDE I don't like is, is AppCode. 
because yeah it's just we, we don't need to go into that but so i have lots of built-up experience built-up muscle memory um i kind of just know how the you know the intellij id platform works and that makes it pretty intuitive for me to pick it up if i was starting from zero today i would probably never have tried JetBrains. um you younger folks might not believe me but like a decade ago uh, IDEs were not where they are today. I know that's a little controversial, but uh, I remember I was working in a Java shop doing applets, and it was a gift when we got to use Net NetBeans over old Eclipse. Nothing wrong with Eclipse, but you know, back back then things were a little different. So I just ended up on the JetBrains bandwagon when I you know was in a position to make my own decisions about this kind of thing. And yeah, I have like lots and lots of experience in it, so I'm pretty fast in it. So I know that's not helpful, but maybe let me sum that up a little bit. If you have a ton of experience in JetBrains like me, if you've been in the industry for a while and just like can pay them, I don't even know what it is, like the 100 bucks they want for the full, you know, the 100 bucks a month they want, pay them, right? Um, having said that, if you don't have that experience, if learning uh, the JetBrains short breaths would be a lift, or if you're starting out and, you know, $100 a month can be a lot of money. I remember when I was a student, that was like <laughs> $100 a month was not a conversation that would happen. So you look at code, right? VS Code is great. I will say one thing that, and I, I Japanese people, if you're listening, I love you. The rate of innovation and the rate of improvement on VS Code is significantly faster <laughs> than on JetBrains. I mean, I, you know, if they had the equivalent of PyLance for Ruby, I would probably just be on VS Code because it's it's really impressed me how quickly it is just like blown up and become awesome. Uh, so that's that, and uh, please send your IDE hate mail, and if you are an Eclipse user, to uh, michael.dominic at hey.com. Is it hey.com or hey.app? I don't know. You can look that up. I, I always forget. All right, so I got a great email from Tim. Um, I am summarizing it. So Tim basically is a 48-year-old veteran. He was a soldier. Thank you for your service, Tim. He just uh, discovered that he has an urge to become a software developer. Um, his wife is employed and, you know, supporting financially, which is awesome. And he loves Python. He wants to do Python. So he asked a couple questions. One, is he too old? That The answer to that is like super easy. No, you're not too old, right? People change careers all the time. Don't worry about it. And two, is Python the right choice? Ah, Tim, you have led me into a flame war. I am going to say yes, but with a big big cherry on top of I am defining right as has lots of opportunities and a fairly forgiving learning curve. I'm also defining Python as Python 3. Not that Python 2 is like necessarily hard. I'm just, I'm assuming you mean like newer Python. The, the thing is, right, if you're just getting started, if you're going on alternative path, going into something where there's lots of demand um, and lots of applications for, and then I don't mean like like literally applications. I mean, um, you know, I don't mean applications in terms of programs. I mean applications in terms of like uses. That's a big advantage. People might be more willing to take a shot, you know, giving you a contract gig or even hiring you in a uh, maybe part-time capacity, junior capacity, whatever. Going into something more niche, like, I don't know, name, you know, anything, Elixir or something, right? would be it's a smaller market right it, it's something that people who've made those decisions rust would be a great example people who have decided that they're a rust shop 
which are not many, um, are not hiring junior Rust developers, right? Rust is, I mean, if you are a Rust first developer, meaning like you are starting out and your first language is Rust and that's just like going to be your background for the rest of your life, I really want to talk to you and understand how that could have happened because my personal experience with Rust and my experience with people I know down here in Tampa is Rust is always the thing that like the Python guy or the Ruby guy or, uh, you know, the, um, I keep wanting to say Elm, but I'm maybe Elm, whatever, you know, some, some gal or guy or gal from another language picks up as like their, their secondary thing. That's like their super duper, you know, break glass, get Rust. I mean, that's how I use it. Right. Um, about a year ago, I had to do a bunch of stuff with color OBJ files, huge pain in the butt, but I ended up being able to write a little Rust program, or I should say contribute to an open source Rust program uh, to add functionality that I needed and you know, go ahead and like include that on the server for the Rails app that I was writing. So yeah, but you know, 90% of the code for that project was Ruby, and Rust was like doing this one specific thing that made lots of sense to have it be Rust. So I totally bogarted your question and talk about Rust, but Tim, I say go for it. I mean, again, you know, pop open VS Code, there's great Python tutorials. Um, I'm a little out of date on this, but I know that there used to be interactive courses by the guys at Code School, who I think are now part of Pluralsight. Um, obviously, Linux Academy has some great stuff. I don't, I, have, I haven't seen them focus on development so much, but kind of that DevOpsy stuff would be helpful. Uh, and none of these companies that I've mentioned, by the way, sponsor the show. The only company that sponsors the show is, plug, 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 the Madbotter Inc., my software development company. Two things today. We have a new product coming out next month. Again, God willing. So you should like maybe look at you know getting a demo of that. And two, uh, we do do custom software development contracts. So if you need something built in Ruby, Python, or you know anything kind of like Webby or IoT. Let us know. We also do mobile, but I, you know, it's interesting. Over the years, nobody calls about mobile unless it's ancient Objective C, and I think that's mostly because I tweet like a maniac about how much I love Objective C. So, Tim, I hope that's helpful to you. Um, thank you for allowing me to intersperse an ad for my own stuff in your question. And uh, yeah, man, it's never too late. And again, thank you for your service. Good luck, man. And oh, if you do do VS Code, definitely check out Pylance. Okay. So I sort of saved the best for second to last. A dramatic, it's almost good that I messed up recording this last week because in the intervening time, uh, you know, a little little company called Epic, I don't know if you've heard of them, they make this game called Fortnite. I think it's like a version of Parcheesi, uh, got in a big old fight with Apple. And uh, when I say a majority of you reached out about this, this is like the difference between you know, Vermont, and like all of North and Central America in terms of size. Um, the vast majority of you were looking for me to to talk about the Apple Rust. I'm sorry. Oh, see, I just love Rust. I can't get it off my head. The Apple Epic thing. So, okay. Mine lands into Fortnite. This is just a big old disclaimer. Is that I have a younger brother who loves it. And I know many kids love it. I have many customers whose kids, like, compulsively play Fortnite. I have tried to play Fortnite. I don't get Fortnite. This is where I think I'm a little old. Like, I get things like Call of Duty. I get Halo. You used to play a lot of Halo. Um, you know, I get Un Unreal Tournament. That was, like, more my jam. 
you know, Counter-Strike. My point is I am not unfamiliar with the type of product that Fortnite is. Uh, but basically, it is a battle royale, which is effectively like a weird shooter where you can like buy things in the game, which, yay, microtransactions. And uh, yeah, so they're on a bunch of platforms, Xbox, PlayStation, probably Nintendo, um, Android, and most importantly, iOS. So one, and I'm going to ignore the Google stuff because I think it's mostly the same and Apple's more my, my you know, area. Yeah, so uh, Tim Sweeney, CEO of Fortnite, has been vocal for years. I'm sorry, CEO of Epic Games, who created Fortnite. See, this is where like your product is more known than your company gets problematic. Um, vocal for years about how much he dislikes app stores. Um, he did not like the Windows Store. <laughs> he really doesn't. He he very famously pulled their uh, their Fortnite Google version. I'm sorry, Android version off the Google Play Store and then had to put it back because turns out people don't like side loading apps. And uh, yeah, so he uh, backdoored in, and when I say he, I mean the company, right? Uh, they, I should say, they backdoored in, or they kind of silently updated, I guess would be the way to put it, their own payment processing into their iOS app for Fortnite. Well, if you have ever heard me for any of the last eight years talk about the App Store on any program, this or Code Radio, you will know <laughs> that, that Apple takes 30% of all digital transactions in the App Store, right? Um, there are ways to get that down to 15%, most notably if you're a content reader, which is a, a they define that very specifically. Uh, it can go down to an annual subscription that goes down to 15% after the first year. But I digress. It's 30% in most, and particularly in these game cases, it's going to be 30%. Well, that's a lot. So, you know, Epic doesn't want to pay that. And they have lots of, like, good philosophical arguments about why, like, a lot of gatekeeping going on. So, you know, they, they do this update. They write a blog post that is effectively throwing the gauntlet down. They get kicked out of the App Store, which, shocker. Then they come out with this incredible video of, it's the famous 1984 Apple commercial where Apple's criticizing IBM for being a monopolistic kind of big brother from George Orwell, uh, you know, figure. And when they have, they have a talking a talking piece of fruit, I don't know if it's, I think it is an Apple, and one of the Fortnite, I guess, soldiers would be the right word here? It's again, my, somebody can email in and tell me or, you know, tweet me or whatever, like, what is the correct terminology characters, right? I guess characters would be the correct terminology. Uh, literally runs up just like they do in the 1984 ad and throws a sledgehammer or something, like, I guess whatever a sledgehammer looks like in Fortnite, into the screen just like the Apple ad. And that's just like, you know what? That's a Batman move. That's theatricality. That's great. Um, they also immediately follow it up with a lawsuit. So, okay, Epic's not playing. Well, that's pretty ballsy. Um, Apple comes out with a statement, you know, their usual, hey, we're so happy you made a good business on our platform. Uh, we're proud of you for your success. Very weird when people are like, companies like, we're proud of you. I've gotten a few of those. It's weird. I don't, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, you have to give us 30%. You have to comply, blah, 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 use an app purchase. So I was super ready to argue the 30%, like, is it good, is it bad? And I have kind of a maybe slightly unusual take on this these days but then today literally august the 17th apple escalated the situation by telling fortnite according according i'm sorry telling epic you know what i'm gonna use them interchangeably i can't i can't figure it out telling epic games that they were going to if they did not comply within two weeks with you know not doing this 
disable their access to certificates, the development tools, that includes Xcode, that includes iTunes Connect, all the signing stuff, which is like just basically disable their whole account, right? They're gone. They're not an Apple developer anymore. Uh, If you notice that Epic doesn't just make Fortnite, they make a very, very popular uh, game engine that Apple has had on stage called Unreal. Um, yeah, that's hardcore because that there are thousands, probably more indie developers who rely on Epic's tools that they build, like the Unreal Engine, um, you know, the Epic like app that runs on Mac for your games. And Apple is going to effectively, I guess, their threat. Usually, they haven't done it yet. Is disable their keys and make those those apps not runnable, make that code not runnable, particularly on iOS. That, you know, I was coming in with a very nuanced take on this. Like, my original argument was going to be, well, you know, Epic's not a small company, blah, 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 you know. 30% does sound unreasonable. But, you know, if you want to use Apple's tools, maybe you have to pay them. But maybe Apple has to, like, also allow you to not use their tools, right? To not use their in-app uh, in that purchase system. It could even be that. The argument I was going to make that Apple maybe should say you have to use ours, but you can offer an alternative, right? And let the consumer choose, which like was going to be my reason, kind of squishy, moderate, you know, everybody, I was going to get hate from both sides. But uh, this, we are going to revoke your keys and throw your, like, shit can your developer account idea is kind of insane. Um, that, I mean, I know indie game developers. I know many of them who use Unreal. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be a big problem. And that level of pure, right, because it's not just about the App Store now. It's we can just turn off your access to our entire ecosystem and make it impossible for you even to ship on Mac without the user having to, like, agree to some scary prompts about, like, non-signed apps and whatever, which, by the way, is getting more aggressive in Big Sur. I, I I can't honestly I can't believe that they're trying that because it it's basically saying please U.S. government regulate us right it's a lot I I really there's I, to me there there's nuance in the whole IAP argument and IAP means in app purchase for those who don't know but there's there's not a whole lot of nuance and you will just be unable to develop for our platforms period again not distribute in the app store but just like simply develop even their middleware on unreal engine which i know people are not really middleware but you know what i mean um that's that is a hammer that i frankly i you know if I, I i can't imagine the logic over at apple saying you know yes we have this hammer but swinging it or threatening to swing it that's i mean that's making epic's case that they have too much power that they could just basically boot them out of a, a large part of the market for games. Um, so that's that's kind of crazy. I would encourage you to read The Verge has a great article on this. Um, I, you know, this is this literally happened today. This is still developing. But I'm shocked at the level of draconianness that Apple has taken here. And I am hoping that there is somehow some silly misunderstanding that happened because, you know, I know a lot of you are Apple users out there based on the stats. Um you know, that's that's scary, though, right? That they can just, like, revoke your account and you can't, like, use the skills you've built up for years. That's That seems horrible to me. But anyway, the situation is evolving, and I'm, you know, it, it's... I just, you know, it's not the Apple... There's the last thing I'll say on it. They are not the Apple that they used to be in a lot of ways. 
Um, and I think, you know, if you're looking for a plucky company, like look at some of the Linux vendors. Like it's obvious that I like the folks at System76, um, but there are other people, right? There's the, the folks who are now shipping elementary OS and, uh, you know, even like bigger companies are getting into the game and they have like a little more pro developer, pro community aspect of things, uh, which, you know, I think even if you disagree with me, <laughs> just like negating someone's ability to develop at all on your platform seems uh, seems Russian. Again, uh, I understand that at all is a little squishy here, but yeah, it's 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 a lot. So I'm interested to hear what you you think about that. Uh, so reach out on Twitter, or you can shoot me an email to the Hey account. All right, the last question, a couple of you wrote in and asked. Hey Mike, you always uh, make people tell you what their system is, but you don't, you know, do it yourself. That's fair. So my current system that I'm recording this on is a System76 Thaleo, um, which is their desktop. It is a uh, AMD a Ryzen model, 32 gigs, um, eight gig graphics card, you know, NVMe drive. Pretty pretty good machine. It's uh it's my daily driver now that I can't leave the house. So that's great. My my laptop is uh, the uh, lemur yeah it's the lemur it's the little one so yeah it's i'm very happy with it it's running pop os 2004 um obviously it's ruby mine and pycharm and vs code right are my tools um, i do use meld quite a lot if i'm like fixing git merge issues but that's primarily it so if you have any more questions keep writing in i'm going to do these probably once every other month ish and yeah, follow me on Twitter at Dumanuko. You can follow the show. There'll be a link in the show notes. And I hope you guys have a great day and uh, you'll get two episodes this week. So huzzah.